you now have these players who are more affordable for law, you know, less time. Um, and, and and team and players who are willing to bet on themselves, preferring to do those one-year deals that have those void years that have you know more money up front, but are cap compliant. I, I think that's a little bit of kind of like the NFL is the, the, the middle class is being a little bit more conducive to these shorter term deals and not um, kind of tethering yourself to the future. Welcome to Unexpected Points. I am your host, Kevin Cole. Today I'm joined by an esteemed guest who has been a frequent guest on this podcast, Eric Eager of Sumer Sports. He hosts a podcast over at Sumer Sports along with Thomas Dimitrov, former GM of the Falcons, who is now CEO of that company. He's putting out a lot of great content, and they're starting to ramp that up quite a bit on their site. Everyone should check out and follow Super Sports on social media. And of course, if you have not listened to this podcast before, you're tuning in to hear Eric. Um, check out some of my content. You know, subscribe to this. Also, look for the unexpectedpoints.substack.com, where I have a lot of detailed information as far as different analyses that I put forward. I have the improvement index going right now, which gauges a point differential gains and losses for teams based upon different moves they're making this offseason. I'm going to rate all of the different free agency transactions versus expectation, how much they're paying for them, grade out the teams based upon that pretty soon. And as we get into draft season, draft season, hashtag SZN, going to be doing running back, wide receiver, pre-draft models using a lot of data from Benjamin Robinson, who is the grinding the mocks guy who collects all of the mock draft data, the best, most accurate forecast for where players are going to be going. All that will be part of the research that I'm putting out this offseason. Um, also go to YouTube. I'm going to play this, this recording on YouTube. If you prefer to look at it that way, the unexpected points is on YouTube. If you have any questions for me, follow me on Twitter at Kevin Cole, triple underscore, or email me unexpected underscore PTS at gmail.com actually you know what it's just unexpected pts at gmail.com anyway let's get to the let's get to the interview where it's a little wide ranging we're all over the place a little bit here which i like to do with uh with my friends and it also gets into a lot of macro topics on free agency trades and off-season value and of course a little bit of aaron Rodgers discussion at the end where eric pushes back against my idea that the jets have most of the leverage in this conversation all right let's get there all right you good to go, or are you, you work? Are you are you are you working at the same time here? You no, I'm, I'm good. I'm just uh, <laughs> one of one of my the guy I do the pot the Chiefs podcast with is pissed off at me for making fun of one of the other Chiefs podcasts last week. So how do you how do you keep them all straight? I know, I know. <laughs> I'm at, I, I, I'm just like, like, well, what do you? Let's let's start with this. Maybe I'll, what I'll, I'll just roll this into the podcast. What are we making fun of the Chiefs podcast for right now? And and since you are an uh, adopted Chiefs fan, true Vikings fan, but we'll say Chiefs. Yeah, the paraphernalia does not. You know the 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 the, the costume does not. Although although does not reveal the true Clark Kent flex, underneath. Flex on air. This is the time Quasi put me down on the on the field right here. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, just for anyone listening here, Aaron is. I mean, uh, Aaron, <laughs> Eric is showing off all of his different swag that he's there. Um, 
Okay, so let's 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 say this. Chiefs, how are how are Chiefs fans feeling right now? Because according to, to my numbers that I put together, of course, um, I think they're a bit down, but I guess it's to be expected a little bit. But maybe it's interesting when you look at them vis-a-vis the Bills, who I thought the Bills would be a little down a little bit harder this offseason with so many contracts jumping up, but they seem to be in uh, you know, can kicking mode much more so than the Chiefs were even last offseason. Well, the Chiefs weren't in can kicking mode last offseason. Well, yeah. Right? Like, well, the Chiefs could have been in can kicking mode, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, the Chiefs were in a similar situation last offseason to what the Bills were this offseason. And the Bills are choosing, I believe, to do a, a little bit more can kicking here than the Chiefs did. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I think part of that could be because. The market. So it was a really good question. Uh, I think our mutual friends, Andy Molitor and Judinsic, asked me on the podcast uh, last last night, like why there were so many one year deals. And I think a lot of that is because teams have discovered that they can just use void years. Like it, at first, it was like the Eagles used them and then like uh, the Browns and the, and now like you kind of have that proliferation through the Vikings with Quasi and then San Francisco with Rand Carthon down to Tennessee. And you now have these players who are more affordable for lo- you know less time um, and, 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 te- and players who are willing to bet on themselves, preferring to do those one-year deals that have those void years that have you know more money up front but are cap compliant. I, I think that's a little bit of kind of like the NFL is the, the, the middle class is being a little bit more conducive to these shorter term deals and not um, kind of tethering yourself to the future. So maybe that's part of it that like the, the league is like, Hey, the water's warm this off season more than it was a season ago. Um, there's also the fact that, you know, I, I, I always contend that if the chiefs didn't win the super bowl in 2019, that they would not have traded Tyreek Hill. I think that, having a Super Bowl in your back pocket helps you make more decisions like that. And the Bills, like, unfortunately, and I, because I, I think the Bills are great. I, you know, I, I believe that they should have been the favorites going into last year and all of that. Like, I think that um, the, I, I think that that, that's part of it. I think that it's twofold. I think the Bills not, not having won a Super Bowl and in fact, not even getting closer than they were in 2020 when they made the AFC championship game. Uh, two straight years of missing even that round of the playoffs um, as along with the fact that I think teams are starting to realize that they can like manipulate the cap even more with these void, the void years, uh, I think is contributing to teams being a little bit more uh, shove the chips into the middle than they knew, normally would be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's unpack this a little bit. I mean, I, we, I have, you know, may, maybe second to the, the Sumer sports podcast, but I was gonna say I have the most knowledgeable uh, listeners, well, maybe third to the Jason Fitzgerald podcast when it comes to when it comes to the cap out there. Um, but just just to just to, to like to to clarify a little bit here, just to make sure everyone's everyone's on board here. So, like, if you were going to pay one year contracts in the past, would be the least conducive to lowering current cap hit in a way, right? Like you could yep. you, because. You, the, the signing bonus, you amortize it over a number of years and almost generally always when you're having a longer term contract, you're lowering the cap hit. Now you have more cap consequences in the future. You can kind of decide later what you want to do with a player who's likely to maybe decline in that amount of time, whether you cut them, everything else. So now with the void years becoming a thing, you can 
you know, de facto do a similar thing here where you can lower that that first year cap hit. You can have like an APY for a player, but yet have a lower cap number than that APY in the first year. So that's why that makes more more conducive. And I agree that's happening a bit. I think it might be happening a little bit too much. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what it comes down to. Well, one of the reasons I'm not super happy about it for some teams is like you can't you can't get comp picks for these guys right because you when you release them out of their of their void years at the end so i think that'll be interesting for some teams so i think that that's that's interesting and the super bowl thing i also think is very interesting because like if you look on the flip side of the bills not winning so they 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 project a certain way the well i guess the flip side is the chiefs winning so they they go a certain way but think about like perception wise and of course, we're, I'm doing this as a little self-gratuitous uh, sort of congratulations to to you and I and others who may have been more anti what the Rams have been doing recently. But it would be like an epic disaster if they had not won that Super Bowl. What is going on here in yeah. people's minds for that Tampa too, by the trade way. and everything else? So, yeah. And Tamp- Tampa B was a little bit more fiscally responsible you know, than the Rams, like Tampa always were kind of a pay as you go team for better or worse yeah. until yeah. Brady. And then, and then they, they, they partied when Brady was there and now they're, they're having their hangover. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, you're really, if you're a Rams or Bucks fan, you're really happy. You got those Super Bowls, right. And even not even that, like the Bucks won back-to-back division titles for the first time in franchise history, um, yeah. which is, which is crazy when you think about. Um, so obviously you, you'd say it was worth it. Um, but it's, I mean, calamity is coming. Now, I wrote an article for Sumer Sports uh, on Tuesday that, said, that that looked at kind of the transition probabilities from various stages in, you know, football. And, you know, it, it's, it doesn't take that long to get out of this, this stuff, um, you know, because you can accumulate draft picks because, you know, the league has instruments like rookie quarterback contracts that can help you um, get out of these things faster. And there are so many um enticing things for elite teams but even worse for above average teams that draw them down as as we just talked about the rams and the bucks um that the the space is there for teams to kind of just re-rack and be and be decent in a couple years um so i you know i don't think they'll be bad for that long but it it is going to be a rough couple years for those teams yeah yeah i think that's always been a difference between the nba maybe concept of tanking or whatever you want to call it versus the NFL is that it should just be a one-year deal most of the time where you clean you clean house and you restart over now it can be worse (laughs) I think the Bears and and uh, shout out to your boy uh, Thomas Dimitrov and the Eagles may have may I mean not the Eagles the, the Falcons may have had a situation where they kind of couldn't really get out in one year. And I, I think that's very problematic because when you have a new uh, regime takeover and you have to like clear the decks in year two, also kind of, it becomes mm-hmm. challenging to like, how do you do that and still survive because you're, you're not, you're not having a window, but, that, but, but the Falcons it, having to clear things in year two was just because they weren't, honest with themselves about what year one was right because no i agree they they could have been better they could have been better but they were in a little bit of a tough spot but i think even when you look even you look at a team like the browns which would have been like a prototypical example of a tank and you could say well they went 0 and 16 (laughs) their second season so maybe maybe it is a bit longer than we think but 
if you, if you if you just pass aside like what the offseason reaction was to what the Browns were doing going into um, 2017, you know, people were excited about what they're doing. They signed a bunch of big free agents in the 2017 offseason. You know, the 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 Kaiser pick just blew up in their face. So that so that didn't go well. But they they had some big signings in the offseason. They were not releasing players they were not like doing any sort of tanking thing it's just it just didn't work and that's kind of how it should always be I feel like for a team that wants to uh, rebuild is it should just be a one-year exercise in the NFL this is not an NBA thing where you have to take multiple top five picks at players and hoping you hit on one you you can build much more effectively in the NFL yeah the, the hard part of the NFL and the Bears are seeing this now is that you can't build effectively through free agency as much as people think right because the reason that you have cap space is because your draft picks you know four years ago didn't work or didn't exist in the case of the bears they traded two first rounders for Khalil Mack and so those guys you know and so in theory like you know we we shout out Jason Fitzgerald I think he was the first one to sort of document and like define what a premium position was but like Premium positions are positions that you can't access in free agency. You can't access the top end talent in free agency. So in theory, what you do is you you try to access top end talent through the draft. Um, and every four years, those guys come up for contracts. You sign them to your the big contracts or you replenish in the draft and you use your draft capital on non-premium positions like linebacker. Defensive tackle is kind of an iffy one. Guard, center, running back, tight end, safety, right? All those positions that you... Um, that you can access in free agency, even the top, the top of the top end talent. And the problem with the Bears is like they get here, and aside from quarterback, they don't really have any premium position players who are worth anything, right? And so, um, you know, when I was at the Super Bowl with Dimitrov, we were on a few Chicago shows. I proposed that they go after Brian Burns I, because I was like, look, you're not going to be able to use all 100 million of those of those dollars on real players are going to help you, right? You, we all remember that Tampa Bay free agent signing when they had Brandon Myers, Clint McDonald, Michael Johnson, Altron Burner, and they all st- stood there with their jerseys and like a year later, half of them are gone. Like it's just, in, it's incredibly hard to do that. And so the DJ Moore acquisition as part of the first pick was great because you use some of your, your, your money on a veteran player at a premium position that you weren't able to access in free agency that to me is like the next kind of idea of like, okay, if these teams tank or, or, you know, or, you know, have a bleed out year or something like that, you either have to have premium position players on your team and they have to like Laramie Tunsil straight up sat out much of the 2021 season, not injured, just sat. And you got to keep guys like that happy enough that they'll turn around and sign with you a couple of years later when you're actually ready to compete. Now, again, questions on whether or not the tight, the Texans are ready to compete, but, but that, that, that's part of the problem. The problem is, is like you have to have premium position players on your team and in order to acquire them, it's expensive because it's expensive because you have to use draft capital and dollars. Yeah. Okay. So, I, okay. A couple different things here. I think this is good because it's like a thematic sort of way of looking at, like how teams should approach things. And that's generally probably how you and I both like to do things. It's kind of, it's kind of like respecting base rates when it comes to making predictions and other stuff. It's saying, you know, you may have a great opinion about a particular free agent, a great opinion about a particular draft pick, whatever. But if you stick with kind of what the overall trends are, you're probably better to, to you're probably going to do better that way than you would it. Now, when it comes to free agency, this is something I've been thinking about more this offseason than maybe even in the past is 
because I did these studies looking at which positions are you more likely to be able to find kind of elite talent in free agency. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm becoming better now with saying if a team overpays for a certain type of position, I had a conversation uh, where I was talking about running back for this, but it it doesn't really not running back as much as these other positions, right? Like running back, maybe. Um, if it prevents you from drift drafting Bijan in the first round, yeah. then maybe it's okay to overpay. Well, the, the that, opportunity but... cost, or the 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 opportunity cost of not signing a running back is possibly touching the stove with one that one of your assets that could actually acquire a premium position player, right? Like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying, like in free agency, if you if you even if it's an overspend in a way, if you're spending money on interior offensive line, if you're spending money on maybe tight end if you're spending offensively if you're spending money on safety if you're spending money on linebacker linebacker if you're spending money on cornerback to a degree i think cornerback is one of those positions that kind of falls in between like you can find value sometimes in free agency you can find value later in the draft it doesn't have to be a first round pick so if you're spending money on those positions even if you're overpaying i think in the grand totality of how your team building that can be a net positive move because then you're not going to use first day one or day two picks on those positions yeah. and use it on other positions. So just so it's like each individual position and each individual signing also has to be part of a broader strategy that you're going for. Yeah. And when someone signs, you know, a safety to to more money than you might like. You might say like, oh, Jesse Bates is not worth that mu- that amount of money. But well, now the Falcons aren't going to spend a first round pick on a safety, and that can be good. Yeah, I think I you're I think you make a good point, and and part of it is sort of this idea that if you don't hit on your premium position players, nothing matters, right? Like it was yeah. sort of the discussion last year about the Jaguars, where and now they they did try to sign premium players in free agency with Christian Kirk and so forth, but ultimately it was one of those like. Did you overpay for Christian Kirk? Probably, but if just but if um, Trevor Lawrence emerges as a real quarterback in the NFL, it's not going to matter. And yeah. if Christian Kirk plays up to the to the the value of his contract, but Trevor Lawrence doesn't play up to his draft status, it doesn't matter, right? And yeah. and I think that that's similar to what you're saying is like, okay, if I get a guard, if I get Joe Tooney and I overpay for Joe Tooney. And Mahomes regresses and he's no longer good enough to elevate the whole team. Doesn't matter. If Joe Tooney doesn't play up to 16 million APY, but Mahomes is a God still, it doesn't really matter. And, 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 and I think that that's important. And I think you bring up a really good point. I'm going to bring this back to the Vikings, of course. Um, Yeah, of course. Because when, when, you know, when we look at kind of the postmortem on signing a mid-tier quarterback, a lot of, a lot of this pops up because, you know, the mid-tier quarterback exposes a lot of flaws in the weak link systems that can cause that, that can cause errors along the team, right? And uh, I wrote an article, sumersports.com, by the way, if you're interested, uh, on weak link systems. But, like, you know, Cousins was, like, very depressed offensively by guards. And, and they needed a tight end and all this kind of stuff. But because you were so levered up on his deal – and, you know, his deal was one of the more, more expensive in football. You had to use draft capital on a center in Garrett Bradbury, on a tight end in um, – You, uh, you never Smith. have to use draft capital on a center. I'll just, I'll just, <laughs> I'll I, just but, say but that. You, but you felt like they had they, – you know, in the in the Cousins era, Davenport at 13 million APY is the most expensive outside free, free agent they've ever signed, right? Yeah, So yeah. They, they, they 
they felt like because of his lack of room and other things, I mean, they have good players at premium positions. That's one of their issues. Like they they're up against the cap every year because they have players who are worth paying, but you, well, they were also bringing back like Kendricks and guys like that too. Correct. They didn't really need, but to, you right? felt yeah. like you could not, you were one of the few teams that could not access non-premium players in free agency because you didn't have cap space ever with, with cousins. So yeah. you were using draft capital to draft Bradbury, to draft Irv Smith, um, to draft Alexander Madison. That was a one draft, 2019, three non-premium positions, boom, 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 one, two, three. And everybody's like, now, like, why is the roster so bad? It's like, well, because you, you know, you tried to use the draft for something that the draft isn't for. And use free agency for something free agency isn't for, which is to sign quarterbacks, right? No, no, but this you know, this 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 kind of leads directly into my point, where it's it's a weird way of saying it's okay to overpay in free agency because then, in a way, you almost influence yourself. You almost trick yourself into not doing a bad thing in the draft. Well, there's another way of looking at it, right? Where you could just say, well, well, just don't do the bad thing in the draft, right? <laughs> just you don't have to, but mm -hmm. but that's not the way things work. Right. And then this Vikings example is a perfect example. You could say, well, we couldn't get a center in free agency. So we didn't have the cash. Like the smart thing to do is maybe we'll spam like fourth round picks on centers <laughs> yeah. and then figure out how to get one. But teams don't do that. Like teams will say, well, we're going to draft a center in the first round instead. So that's why you kind of have to give credit to something that's somewhat illogical in a way, because it prevents doing something else that's illogical, but more damaging. Yeah, and that's and to back it all the way up to like the first point, which is that if you have great players at premium positions, they provide such a surplus that you can, to your point, overspend on players to fortify the weak links, right? So, you know, you think about and I, I think about this and like this, you know, I hate to give the Bengals credit for this, even though I do think that they, they have they have done some smart things, but you think about Burrow, Chase, and Higgins, right? Burrow, Chase, and Higgins provide, I mean, what, comp, uh, you know, uh, 110 million in value, right? R roughly. Yeah. And you're looking at guys that cost maybe, what, 15 to 20 million, you know, not even barely. Yeah. And so that's, you know, a ton of money, 80, 90 million in surplus value. And so you can go and get like, you know, Trey Hendrickson in free agency. You can go and get Orlando Brown in free agency. You can go and, and even more to your point, the spamming you can do, right, is at free agency level, right? So when yeah. they went out, they got Trey Waynes, Chidobi Awuzie, Eli Apple, uh, uh, Mike Hilton, uh, Von Bell, Trey, Trey Flowers, uh, I'm trying to think of the other one, Ricardo Allen. They were able to spam the position in free agency even though all of them cost a little bit more than draft picks. But, of course, that, that that cost comes at a little bit more certainty. And you look at one of their defenses, one of the more resilient defenses in the NFL over the past two, three years, and the guy that cost them the most money in that acquisition cycle was Trey Waynes, who's the worst of the bunch, right, ultimately at the end. But you're able to play you – know, I call it a parlay. Drew Dinsick last night called it more of like a um, round robin, but like – you're in now in a secondary, you're in like a 12 choose five, which is a bear. You have a ton of ways to win that way. And, and it's because to your point, you, you won so much in the draft surplus value on the positions that really matter. And you can then use that and then come back around and over maybe overspend or overspam positions that are, are more accessible.
Now, if you really want to stay woke for 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 the Bengals, another wide receiver pick in the first round or se- or second round this this draft. That's when you stay. That's when you you start blowing people's minds, and everyone's like, "Oh, why didn't you take a? We need a tight end or whatever." It's like, no, don't take a tight end. <laughs> like, I mean, whatever. A tight end can be extremely valuable if they're like one of two dudes on the planet or three dudes on the planet, but mm-hmm. that, you know, that just doesn't happen that much, but like, it's like to your, to your point, you don't just give up that, right. You don't just give up that. You say again, you know what, we'll take another wide receiver. And if you hit on another wide receiver, Oh my God, you have all these options. You can maybe trade Higgins or someone and, and, and earn all this draft capital back. You have all these options. Whereas if you hit a tight end, you're like, Oh, Maybe two years from now, we draft a tight end and there'll be an above average tight end to our offense while we're paying Higgins and Chase a combined $60 million a year and Burrow another six, $60 million himself. And yeah. it's like, what's the point? Like, it doesn't matter if you, if you hit on that, that sort of thing. So that's what I really want to see for teams is I want fan bases, you know, just, just, just seething with anger when they continue to draft wide receivers in like, in like the second or first round. And then midway through the season, they're looking at their draft. They're like, boy, I'm glad we have this wide receiver or else we would have been screwed without this wide receiver. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, it's just, we, we have, we have to, we, it's, we're just starting to get to that point. I think we're, where folks are starting to think about these, these things as systems where, you know, it's not just about getting the best player. Like I, I think about, you know, I think about Kansas City again. Like I think about this Hopkins, and you know, and I, I stuck my neck out there. I don't think they're going to trade for Hopkins, um, but I also think like, you know, you think about their system, and it's like, I it, they were more resilient last year because you know all their guys were kind of guys who were sort of content with having no catches, and then one game having like six or seven catches, and there was just so much more flexibility in the offense because you didn't have to shoehorn two guys' targets and. You know, now it's like, do you really want to disrupt that system, even though the individual parts might might make you kind of cringe a little bit? Um, I, I think fans are still like still struggle with this idea of thinking about the collective. It, it seems like too many degrees of freedom at once to think about. Yeah, yeah. The Hopkins thing. OK, so this guy was traded back in when, when, when was the trade to the Cardinals? So I just want to 2020, look like right around. Um, so like at that point he already had i would say a age related discount maybe a little bit to 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 how much he was being traded for although last season we did see Devontae adams and tyreek hill at around a similar age didn't seem to be much of an age age related discount so maybe the houston texans certainly believe bill o'brien certainly believed that there were age related things like his his yard for catch went down his a dot went down um and no, I, I think to... it's more. I think it's more like the Dolphins and um, and Raiders were like kind of insane for for giving up as much as they did. Uh, well, maybe Tyreek Hill is really special too, so maybe maybe not as much for Hill. Um, but anyway, so I'd say there's somewhat of an age related discount at that point. Like, what do you possibly think you're going to get from him entering his age 31 season? I mean, we saw Jalen Ramsey. We saw Jalen Ramsey go for multiple first round picks when he was 24 years old. Now that he's 28 years old, he's going for a third in Hunter Long. Um, yeah. like, I think people really don't appreciate how the age related decline in compensation, which 
you can find some values for older guys as long as you're not giving up that much. But there is a big difference between a player who's reasonable, kind of the, the thick part of their range of outcomes as far as how long their peak is going to last is going to be four or five years versus one or two years. I mean, that's a massive hey everybody. Difference. This was a free well, version of a paid subscriber podcast at unexpectedpoints.substack.com including all of my premium work here. We're talking about four or five articles a week. Please sign up at unexpectedpoints.substack.com. And if you cannot afford a subscription at this point, let me know. Either shoot me an email at unexpectedpts at gmail.com, send me a note or leave a comment on the Substack, or hit me up on Twitter at Kevin Cole, triple underscore. Let me know that you're experiencing some you know, financial hardship at this point. I will give you a no questions asked six month subscription to the pod. You can get these premium podcasts and all of my other premium content. Thank you so much for listening.